X-ray. Welcome to The Local, your daily dose of hometown news and democracy. I'm Emily Gilliland, and it's Monday, May 24th. Today, back in the day on May 24th, 1958, the new Morrison Bridge was open to the public. As the entrance to the old Morrison Bridge was blocked off and its drawbridge was raised, the third incarnation of the bridge officially opened at 11 a.m. Following a dedication ceremony, the marching bands from Benson and Wilson High Schools, along with Marine and Air Force color guards, marched from either end of the bridge to the middle. Meanwhile, fireboats shot arches of water and three Delta-winged F-102 jets from Accord Air Force Base near Tacoma, Washington, flew overhead. The new Morrison Bridge was 760 feet long and could accommodate six lanes of traffic. Its clearance of the Willamette River was adequate for most river traffic, requiring it to be open less than once per day in an average month. Omer Jacobson was the first to cross the new bridge from east to west, doing so in a 1920 Daniels touring sedan. Catherine M. Blood was the first to cross in the opposite direction, although in a much newer vehicle. Today, back in the day on May 24, 1990, Earth First activist Judy Berry's car was bombed in Oakland, California. Berry and fellow activist passenger Daryl Cherney survived the explosion, but Berry suffered chronic pain for the remainder of her life from injuries sustained to her pelvis during the blast. Due to the remarkable support Barry had garnered in her campaign to save California's ancient rainforest, she had many enemies within the logging industry, having her car targeted for attacks more than once. Oakland police and the FBI initially blamed Barry and Cherney for the bomb, despite the fact that it was laid directly below the driver's seat. Barry and Cherney filed a civil rights lawsuit against the police and FBI. To preemptively halt a Cointelpro style frame up. It was later revealed that an FBI bomb expert had conducted a bomb school for police officers on the property of Louisiana Pacific Lumber Company just a month before the bombing took place. Barry persevered with her forest defense activism following the attack until her death from breast cancer at age 47 in 1997. Attempt on Barry's life remains an open case. Today, we'll start with your quick six news headlines, and we have an interview with Jonathan Moss from Bike Portland. X-ray. First up, it's time for today's quick six local rundown. Governor Kate Brown has extended the deadline for Oregonians to pay back rent. After passing the Senate and the House, the measure was finally signed into law last week. Oregon renters now have until February 28, 2022, to complete past due rent payments. Previously, renters were expected to make those payments by July of this year. The new law also protects renters' futures from COVID-related setbacks. For example, landlords are prohibited from denying applicants for pandemic-era evictions or back rents. Furthermore, it bars landlords from reporting late payments to consumer credit agencies. In a statement, Governor Brown praised the new legislation and explained that, quote, thanks to a historic amount of rent assistance in Oregon, we have the resources to help families get back on stable financial footing. 
Importantly, though, this law will not forgive back rent or extend Oregon's eviction moratorium. As it stands, the eviction moratorium will still conclude on June 30th. And now, your daily dose of data. According to the Oregon Health Authority, 66,577 new doses of COVID-19 vaccinations were added to the state immunization registry over the weekend. This number mixes both previously unrecorded vaccinations as well as newly administered ones. That brings the total number of Oregonians who have had at least one vaccine dose to 2,164,594. And if you're one of those more than 2 million people, you're eligible to win a million dollars. Oregonians 18 and older who have received at least one shot of COVID-19 vaccine by June 27th will be automatically entered into the Take Your Shot Oregon Lottery. Governor Kate Brown announced the lottery last Friday and hopes to encourage more Oregonians to get vaccinated. The lottery drawing will take place on June 28th. One vaccinated Oregonian from each county will be awarded $10,000, while the grand prize of $1 million can go to any vaccinated Oregonian from any county. And if you're under 18, there's still good news for you. Vaccinated Oregonians aged 12 to 17 will be entered into a special drawing of their own. Five winners will be awarded $100,000 towards their college education. So be sure to get vaccinated as soon as you can. Portland-based startup Rewired Neuro was the winning pitch at Angel Oregon Tech. Along with the win, John Harkness and the Rewired Neuro team received a $125,000 investment. The money will help fund the startup's unique biomedical software, which aims to help scientists analyze images faster. By using machine learning, Harkness and his team have automated a large part of the process of analyzing tissue samples. They've achieved this feat by integrating their technology into the clinical devices, research microscopes, hardware, and software used by scientists. Rewire Neuro calls their tools Pipsqueak and Pipsqueak AI. And already, Pipsqueak is being used by clinics and researchers all across the globe. Harkness holds a PhD in neuroscience from OHSU and launched Rewire Neuro in 2016. It called winning this pitch competition sponsored by the Oregon Entrepreneurs Network, quote, a dream and hopes the funding will help rewire neuro, scale operations, and move forward. Despite many accomplishments to date, BIPOC lawmakers aren't finished with Oregon's current legislative session. At the moment, the 12 members of Oregon's Black, Indigenous, and People of Color Caucus have seven bills awaiting Governor Brown's signature. What's more, they have an additional 25 that have progressed through at least one chamber of the legislature and another 70 are being considered in committee and chamber votes. Many of these bills hope to provide support and assistance to low-income Oregonians and communities of color hardest hit by the ongoing pandemic. And with what's left of the le this legislative session, they're staying ambitious. One major effort is being led by Representative Con Pham and aims to promote policy around bias and hate crimes. FAM cited the 505% increase in hate and bias reports in the Asian American Pacific Island community this last year. Another push from the caucus comes from Representative Andreas Salinas, 
She is proposing to funnel $400,000 from the American Rescue Plan Act funds to a group called Respond to Racism. Still another effort comes from Senator Lou Frederick, who wants to give $1.4 million to Home Forward. This Portland-based group helps vulnerable Oregonians find affordable housing and other necessary services. Members of the caucus have the remainder of this legislative session to continue their work. The current session will conclude on June 27th. Oregon has approved new rules for cutting off power to protect against wildfires. According to Commissioner Letha Tawney, the changes are designed to, quote, keep Oregonians safe by establishing criteria on how the utilities communicate about and coordinate during a public safety power shutoff. Ultimately, though, the decision to shut off all power is up to the utility company and is not guided by any official protocol or thresholds. According to one utility company, it's tough to create those kinds of guidelines. Usually, though, they're looking at weather conditions like extreme winds and severe drought. These new rules are temporary and come on the heels of the earliest opening of the state's wildfire season in more than four decades. However, the Public Utility Commission is working with utilities, public safety partners, and communities to continue and further develop permanent rules after these ones end in mid-November. Until then, if you're living in high-risk areas, you may need to prepare for power shutoffs in the coming months. Acclaimed director Kelly Reichardt is using Portland as the backdrop for her next movie, and they need extras. Reichardt is, has a history of settling, setting her films in Oregon, but this will be her first one set in the Rose City itself. It's titled Showing Up is being produced by renowned champion of independent film, A24. You may recognize the lead, Michelle Williams, as Jen Lindley from Dawson's Creek, or more recently as Charity Barnum from the Hugh Jackman-led blockbuster, The Greatest Showman. And while Williams may be playing an artist in the film, A24 is looking for real-deal Portland artists to cast as extras in the movie. So, if you're 18 or over and looking to make a few bucks, you can make a profile at adamandthebackgrounds.com. Then, be sure to follow up with an email to artschoolextraspdx at gmail.com. And that's today's Quick 6 Local Rundown. X-Ray. Now, DJ Ambush and Morgan Jones speak with Bike Portland's Jonathan Moss about the recent push for ODOT to invest more funds into the renovation of Southeast 82nd Street after a string of fatal accidents last month. Lawmakers in Oregon are calling for new investments in safety upgrades on 82nd Avenue. Nine Democrats, Democrats are leading the charge, and they have asked for $80 million to fund these improvements. Here to talk about this call for action in Southeast Portland, and specifically what it could mean for non-motorized commuters, is editor of Bike Portland, Jonathan Maz. Thank you for being here, Jonathan. Uh, thanks for having me. Good to be here. Jonathan, uh, there's been a lot of attention on 82nd lately. Ever since two or more people died on the road last month, uh, there's a five mile per hour speed decrease and a $3 million commitment from the Oregon Transportation Commission. Are people hopeful that these steps will help? Yeah, I think it's a mixed bag. I think there is a lot of hope in the community because it feels like something's different this time. But since people have been just clamoring to make 80 seconds safer for so many years, I think there's a little bit sort of of let's wait and see if this is real this time. Mm. I, I uh, 
have my personally i have very limited knowledge of how unsafe 82nd has been yeah it's it's a well if folks don't know it's actually a state route to 213 so it's a, one of those what they call an orphan highway so it's owned by the mm. state of oregon right so it's not even owned by the city of portland and odot just has different ways of managing streets they're really they're, they're much better at dealing with freeways and they, that's how they treat 82nd so yeah. it's not a really nice place to to you know try to walk on certainly you rarely see people biking on it uh, it's not a nice place to drive on it's in terrible shape it needs a lot of investment to sort of bring it up to let's say modern standards essentially odot's just forgotten about it right because they're they're more interested in interstate 205 and mm-hmm. interstate 84 so uh the thing is you know people have been dying on that street for a long time uh people have been getting hurt people held hostage by this big this big, uh, you know, massive road that just splits neighborhoods. It's, it's really a, an evolving neighborhood. There's a lot of restaurants, as everybody knows. So, you know, it's, it's not a nice place to, uh, to be for anyone. And, you know, the city of Portland's estimated it would take about $180 million to bring it up to the standards that they would need to take it over. Mm. So that's a lot of what this push is for, is, is people saying, let's transfer the road from the state to the city. Mm. Uh, the city of Portland is um, Portland is much more sort of innovative and progressive when it comes to dealing with streets, and there's a lot of things they would do to it in terms of managing 82nd that are a lot different than the way ODOT is managing it. So uh, it, it, this transfer is something both parties want. The city of Portland wants it. ODOT wants it. The only thing is the city of Portland doesn't want to pay the $100 million, $180 million to, to bring it up to, to good conditions, mm. and we're not seeing ODOT, like you said in the intro, ODOT put $3 million on the table uh, they, they haven't, you know, really funded it at the state level like it needs to be funded to make that, that transfer happen. Mm. So nine lawmakers pushing for more funding from ODOT called that $3 million uh, embarrassingly inadequate to meet urgent safety needs. What kind of upgrades could that extra funding bring to 82nd? Right. Well, it's not... You know, it's not that ODOT's only put in $3 million. They, they have been putting in millions of dollars over time. Again, there's just been community outcry for many years. Uh, and but, but what ODOT does, it gets back to the management, is they, they're just not really able to sort of fundamentally change how the street's used and how it feels. You know, they like to put in a sign here, a little flashing crosswalk here. But if people are going 35, 40 miles, in a big truck flying down 82nd, yeah. a little bit of pain in the street's not going to do much. Mm. Uh, and that gets back to the management thing. So yeah, so $3 million and the other investments ODOT's making, they may upgrade a, a signal uh, to add, to make sure that the, you know, like the pedestrian sign is working. They may put in uh, a median so that it's a little easier to cross. They can kind of like, you know, what ODOT does is they kind of just trim, trim the bush around the edges uh, <laughs> when, when really the whole thing needs to be torn out mm. uh, and something else needs to be planted there. So uh, yeah, it is embarrassingly little amount, and, and it's just been great to see these uh, some engagement from from the state from these state lawmakers, several of whom live right on the 82nd corridor. One of the people calling for the 80 million and really calling for change here is uh, House Speaker Tina Kotek, who's not only you know one of the top top uh, lawmakers down in Salem, but but she's also on the Ways and Means Committee, uh, which is the the, the budget setting committee yes. essentially down in Salem. That's going to mm-hmm. decide where. I think $780 million of federal uh, federal money is going to go in the next couple of weeks here. So there is, you know, I think a little more hope than usual that this request might actually result in, in some real investment and change in 82nd. Hmm. Uh, race is playing into this discussion, too. 
Uh, 82nd touches some of the city's most diverse and historically underfunded areas. How is this factor playing into the conversation? Well, it definitely is. For one thing, one of the lawmakers who's really been at the front of this and been the real champion is is Representative Con Pham, uh, who lives who lives there. Obviously, an Asian American uh, person, um, and and yeah, like you said, there are some of the most diverse census tracts in Oregon, right alongside this road, and it continues a trend of uh, that we've seen in transportation for a long time, where you see disinvestment. Uh, mm-hmm. In places where you know there's more people of color uh, and people with you know uh, different you know lower incomes, so uh, it's it's definitely a factor. And you'll the, the the letter that was written by the lawmakers requesting the 80 million, you'll notice if you read that they put that front and center. They, they pointed out that uh, this disinvestment is uh, you know harming uh, people of color, Portlanders of color, and, and lower income people more than other folks. And and this is the trend, right? Those, those are the folks that aren't necessarily uh, the ones down in City Hall. They're not the exactly. ones that are able to come to meetings and, and mm-hmm. necessarily speaking up about the problems. But they're the ones impacted the most by by the, the, the lack of safety on 82nd. Uh, Ambush doesn't know how uh, dastardly 82nd is, but I do. <laughs> and it is a terrifying street to drive on. Like the, the potholes are... Mm wild Mm. um and he's right the sidewalks are just not they're inadequate you don't see people biking what are the like how are the portlanders that do bike the cyclists how are they feeling about this well people are really trying to they're really following this sort of call to action uh they're they're paying close attention to sort of the advocacy side of it and the 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 political uh, movement that's happening with it um, you know, for, for a lot of bike riders, it doesn't really even occur. 82nd, the idea of riding a bike on 82nd is sort of a vision that people can't even fathom. Uh, you know, what, <laughs> wow. the city of, what, the, what the city of Portland does is say, we'll make nicer routes a block or two away from 82nd, right? So that's mm. kind of a standard city thing, which I think is a little bit controversial where you're essentially saying, hey, we're going to give this main street with all the great restaurants and all the great place, you know, great, great services and destinations you know, too often is just said, well, we're going to make that a place you can drive to no problem and have lots of parking everywhere. But if you ride a bike, then you've got to go a few blocks over. So, you know, it's people that most people that bike are sort of like, well, I don't ride on 82nd anyway. So <laughs> I wouldn't this isn't this isn't necessarily an issue where, you know, a, a lot of uh, bicycling advocates are necessarily front and center. And for good reason. This is really just about making a street that can make a community instead of a street that that makes a huge divide, like living next right next to a freeway. Mm. Uh, what are the next steps for this funding effort? Is the coalition coalition of lawmakers feeling helpful? Yeah, I think the next step is going to be people getting in touch with members of the Ways and Means Committee down in Salem and really just hammering them and saying, "Hey, now is the time to do something on 82nd. You've got this big tranche of federal funds sitting there." Uh, the, the people in the Ways and Means Committee have made statements that they are open to public input. Uh, there's, you know, we just got another big uh, good news in terms of Oregon's economy and the revenue forecast just came out yesterday. Mm. So, you know, the state, I, I, I think, I'm not, I'm not necessarily super close to it, but I, I think there is a possibility the state could do this. The fact that uh, House Speaker Tina Kotek is signed on to this letter is very hopeful. Um, so we're going to have to see. If not, there may there may be some other funding or some other mechanism to to sort of some other level lever to pull in the future that that's going to get this funding. But the clear the clear message here is that you're seeing more lawmakers than I can recall in, in many many years saying enough's enough. 
something has to happen. Mm. And ODOT's negligence on this is just just too much to look away from, and so something is going to happen. That's uh, <laughs> I I am hopeful. Mm-hmm. Same, same. I am hopeful. <laughs> what can <laughs> what can X-ray listeners do to get involved, Jonathan? I think you can, you can pay attention to Bike Portland. We'll be covering it pretty closely. Um, if you if, if there's probably going to be a push, you know, from that Ways and Means Committee from Salem in terms of saying, hey, we've got almost a billion dollars to spend from the federal government in terms of uh, this, you know, pandemic relief and American Rescue Plan money. There's going to be some ways to, to for folks to weigh in on how that should be spent. And so I would just really encourage people if you know uh, if that's something that they that they want to have happen, you've got to sort of speak up. Um, yeah, so I would just say, you know, stay, stay tuned to Bike Portland. We'll, we'll be covering this closely, uh, like we have been for years. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's, that's the best thing to do. And, and get in touch with your rep. Certainly, if you're listening to this and you live near 82nd, get in touch with your rep. Let them know about this letter. Let them know that you want to see something change on 82nd and that, it, and that it's mm-hmm. time for ODOT to transfer that street over to the city of Portland. Definitely. Jonathan, thank you so much for your time this morning. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. That was Bike Portland editor Jonathan Moss. Tune in on the third Thursday of each month to hear an update from Bike Portland. Beautiful. Thanks to Jonathan for joining the local. And thank you for listening to the local. Your hometown and just about 30 minutes. And thank you, Democracy. We'll talk to you tomorrow. X-Ray.